0: Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Welcome to the Completely Unnecessary Podcast for Wednesday That was a habit We haven't done a non-Tuesday in a while Wednesday, May 27th Wow, 2020 Alongside Ian Ferguson I am Pat Contra Today on the show, we'll be talking about lots of topics Uh, Pac-Man's 40th birthday Passed a few days ago Four days ago Uh, Empire Strikes Back turns 40 A G2A update Update we have a QA, and a we have a Patreon poll, we have a lot in the intro, and our good old buddy Zack Snyder comes back, potentially, in, in, in a topic. Ian, uh,
1: Ian you, you're in a little pain right now. I'm not doing real good. Uh, yesterday, I got neck x-rays and um, confirm that I have degenerative disc disease in my neck and my C6 and C7 vertebrae are fucked up. Where's um, the C6 and C7? C6 and C7 are the two vertebrae responsible for the load-bearing of your skull and head. So like right under, right under the neck, basically? The, yeah, they're the they're the base By the vertebrae. Nub?
0: By that nub that comes out? No idea. Um, yes, yeah, but it's about the nub or a little bit below the nub.
1: Uh Yeah, so they're important ones. Um, Yeah, I don't really want to talk about it too much. I'm just going to try to get through the podcast. The pain is fucking constant. It has been for almost two months. I got a steroid shot there and had like a good week, um, but that wore off. Uh, So yeah, next step is orthopedic doctor, physical therapy, and uh, potentially surgery. So that's fun. There's that. Doing good. Moving on. Uh, Clubhouse Games has. Uh, oh, no, oh, we're not, we're, no,
0: no, no. We're skipping over some stuff. First, you know, we've talked about it in a few weeks. We got we got books. We got pins. We got a li- limited t shirt. Go to com. You can check out the wares there. Uh, and the not for resale documentary. I'm down to the last box of Blu rays before I have to reorder. I think I'm down to like 48 Blu rays left there.
1: So get them while they're hot. I saw them in the kitchen.
0: Tell what in the kitchen oh the box yeah that's all you could have stole them I wouldn't know you could have stole them and put them up on your own your own uh, Amazon uh, listing like people are doing with the switch to uh, hyper to hyper to circumvent Amazon uh, going after price gouging they're they're saying oh it's the Nintendo switcheroo console instead of the switch (laughs) you know making their own listings because on Amazon you can make listings anything you want as long as you have a UPC number and those are basically free they don't cost anything and well, Amazon, that's crazy. Think, yeah, that's all it takes. I mean, well, the book, you need an ISPN usually. But for something like that, you know, you, you can do that. And I finally put the, um, speaking of that, I put the two special edition, any the NES and Super Nintendo special, special editions and the PAL one are finally on Amazon. I'm not sure why I never did that before. I was lazy. Um, so you can buy them in there or on my website at ultimatenintendo.com at the shop there. But uh, before we get to Clubhouse Games, the game of the year, I had a little bit of a Twilight Zone day last week on Tuesday. So to begin with, um, you know, we had the podcast as normal, but before the podcast, um, you know, I had a little little, little trip to the to the men's room. might have Might have been dated, maybe not. And I dropped my phone on you know, I like the, I have that you know, um, sort of s- not tile but the stone slabs uh, floor sort of thing. And I guess it's a little uneven because I have a bumper, and it's still I I dropped it on its face and it, it smashed. And I've only I've had cell phones for sixteen years. and It's only twice. That I messed up the face of my phone, ever. Now it's like literally right before the podcast. I was annoyed because I was like, "Oh, I felt I was in a good mood. I'm gonna have a good day." So I felt like it was a Twilight Zone episode, like like the one where you know time stops. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what would like the, the thing like the, the something breaks in the clock and the time stops. It was something weird happened that Tuesday because we did the podcast and I think that went norm somewhat well, right? The podcast last week, sure. But then after that, things got a little out of control uh, because I I had. Um, a revelation after Ian left, I was like, oh, we missed Pac-Man's 40th birthday. And we technically didn't because Pac-Man's birthday was five days ago, which would have been after the podcast. It was four days ago. It was it was Friday the 22nd. So three days after the podcast. So, so in between. But I was like, how about I do an impromptu NES punk video uh, related to Pac-Man's 40th birthday? And I had an idea because otherwise I wouldn't have done an NES punk video uh, I don't know how long because the the next book is getting started. I have other projects potentially in the works. So I was like, okay. So I went and I looked for all my Pac-Man merchandise. And he ain't seen the box. There's a lot of garbage. I got pillows. I got things like that. And we're, we're going to have a whole, a whole topic later about Pac-Man's 40th birthday. But in the midst of that, I lost my Amazon Fire controller. My Amazon Fire controller um, you know, controls basically like the smart TV for Amazon fire makes it creates like a smart tv thing but it also controls the volume and i lost it and there's no reason i would ever lose control like that and i searched around my place for six fucking hours last tuesday over a week ago and i went out of my mind i texted uh Vonnie and i was like hey, did you see it did you you know did you use the tv she's like no and i didn't know what happened to it. i was like this thing disappeared off the face of the earth like there's just no reason for it to to have left my, like it's i mean it's gone and i usually keep my remotes on the couch or on the table but the good news was that like I, I ended up like searching everywhere and I cleaned out, you know, part of my garage and like reorganized because I was on a frenzy. Um so that so I was in a weird mood then. I just felt weird. I felt like I'd slipped into an alternate dimension. On uh, to to on top of that, I noticed something very, very weird and strange uh when I went into my garage. So my garage has you know like those those like um square Um, Rubberish sort of tiles you put down. You know, you buy like a pack of nine of them from like Costco, whatever. And there's a square, a particular square, that's two away from my heavy bag. And I usually stand there uh, when I'm using the heavy bag. And it usually, because they're not perfect on, on the size and shapes, that one usually has a little bit of an air bubble because it's like squeezed in. It didn't on that day. And it had the last time I'd walked in there. I'm like, that. I, do, I cannot explain that. It's perfectly flat. And it's never perfectly flat. There's always a little, little lip or a little bubble. And so I was weirded out by that. But then the day got even weirder because I got a random knock on my door in the middle of editing the podcast. And I, and I go to the door, and it's two, I want to say, middle-aged people. Well, I'm technically middle-aged now. But they were probably like early 50s. It was a man and a woman. Come up to my door, and... At this point, I'm like freaked out for lots of diff- different reasons. And the woman goes, You have to tell me the color of your house. And I'm like, What? Uh, w- w- like, uh, the, the, your paint color. We were, we're in the neighborhood and we, we were looking for a new paint color. And I'm like, Is this a, like, this is bizarre that this is happening with everything else going on, but it seemed like it wasn't real. It, it felt like a skit almost. Um, and I can't explain why, but I just felt like I was on guard already. Uh, but I was like okay sure please don't kill me this is like a serial killer way to get into my house I didn't live in my house and and they weren't wearing masks but I stayed away from them but I did have I do have the paint outside in, in the little you know um, closet outside so I got them the paint can they opened it up they got their sample they said oh thank you so much for this, and they got on their way so it was just a bizarre fucking day and so then the next uh, I didn't find my Amazon fire remote for two days you know where it was Ian? bring it all full circle hmm <laughs> It was under a bunch of Pac-Man shit that I put on my couch that I got out to do the NES punk video. So, like, if it wasn't for my creative creative sort of a st- uh, spark, I wouldn't have went into the frenzy and slipped into the Twilight Zone for a day and a half um, and lost my Amazon remote, which kicked off this whole thing. I think what kicked it off was, was smashing my cell phone, which I had to get repaired. That was good, good fucking 80 bucks gone uh, right there. And I, know, I know it only costs like 20 bucks for a screen. I'm not fucking dealing with replacing my own... Screen. I'm not dealing with that garbage. Just someone came up. There's a, there was a mobile repair man. He, he was cool. He brought his own little table. He, he kept outside. <laughs> he had his mask and did his work. He did it like in seven minutes. Yeah, there's an easy easy 60, 70 bucks for you, sir. Because those, those you probably buy those uh, screens from China for like nine bucks. And uh, no, he did a good job, and that was it. And I was on my way there. So that was my twilight zone day. It, it was fun. But uh, but what are you
1: saying? Ian Cl- uh, Clubhouse games fifty one. Just looking at this list here, uh, Clubhouse Games fifty one uh, has early reviews and they're good. They're, yes,
0: they are glowing. Some of them. <laughs> in fact, the Nintendo Life one nice. um, was was like started with some little little uh, cheeky little why is he, why is it this and that and but then like after he, he got through all his complaints at at Nintendo, he was like, oh no, this is a brilliant game. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm trying to use the jargon in the UK that they use because gentlemen's from the UK. Um but he said it's really fun. Um it's extremely polished. Why would you not expect something that Nintendo publishes to be polished? I mean, there's nothing they published mm. that is there anything that's been n- not polished that they've published the past ten years?
1: Or can you think of it? Mario Tennis can be some updates. There are no real stinkers and why would in terms they be it be the games the game that have been
0: established in terms of over really?
1: Yeah. That's kinda of surprising. There's some weird things going on there. And some glitches, or just it just wasn't smoothed out yeah, as much just as much. Like some glitches and just some weird graphical things that it was strange. It was not. Who was uh, the dev on that? Uh, probably Camelot. Okay, but um, no, he
0: said it looks. Actually, I don't know. He said that the even the. Um, he said the one weird thing about it that, that stuck with me was that you can't instantly say, like, play again when you're in the game. You have to go back out to the menu, then back in. But he only says it takes, like, six seconds. But he said that's the one weird little thing about it where you can't, you can't just immediately put play again. You have to say, like, go back and then come back in. But you can always do an update with that, I would think, mm-hmm. uh, for that. So, yeah, there was a lot of uh, outlets that did reviews and they, they said that the, the, um, the games did a good job of the um, of, of little tutorials at the beginning. Uh, he did say though they were kind of like American-centric in terms of the humor, like there's some like little kitschy humor between a little, you, you pick a little toy character, mm-hmm. a, a little, a little um, like like board game little like a statue little piece uh, to represent you. But no, he said the tennis uh, worked great, he said the darts worked really great. Um, yeah, He's, he said the sound design he said was really good on it, and he was surprised. So, like there wasn't like, to him, it wasn't really like a clunker in the bunch. Obviously, you're not going to play some as much as the others, but uh, no. Game of the year, Ian, you know, I'm calling it. Call Jeff Keeler is going to present it. Game of the year, uh, this is going to sell the, the the hype. There's been a weird hype building for this game since this was announced what a couple months ago. This is going to sell several million. I think this is going to be like a killer. I think for Nintendo this year, like this is going to be hold them over during the certain uh, pandemic. I, obviously, Animal Crossing sold a ton, but this is this is going to do pretty well at forty bucks. I think. So, uh, did you did you see any of the videos or any of the reviews?
1: Um, I watched the the video that went over all the games that you know it looks nice I'll buy it yeah we're, we're gonna we're gonna do our do our
0: little uh, chess uh, game we
1: never played chess hounds and hares chess and uh, revenge have you played hounds and hares before no I just like the name I mean it looks simple
0: yes so I guess one person's a hare and one's the, oh, hound. That the hound hound I guess yeah
1: you have to get to the other side okay no, you have to trap you have to trap the hound or you have to you trap have the, the hare hair. what if you're the hare though you could get get away I uh, guess. I don't know. You have to run into well, perpetuity. Well, well, we'll find out. We're going to see the rules. It's just like life. It's just It's You just have to keep running until you die. I I, are you running until you die, Ian? I, that's, that's kind of a dour note. NVIDIA. Uh, so um, AI is doing some weird shit. Alan Iverson? Yeah. Um, and NVIDIA's AI watched uh, Pac-Man. And created uh, an AI version of the game using AI. Um, so for Pac-Man's 40th anniversary, NVIDIA announced it recreated the iconic arcade game without the support of a game engine. Uh, GameGAN, a, genitive adver- a generative adversarial network, watched 50,000 instances of the game, so 50,000 episodes, 50,000 playthroughs. You know, playthroughs. The graphics company produced a faithful but blurry clone with full functionality. Let, let's 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 underscore that the AI
0: basically coded its own game. Yes. Without having like a ROM or having its own code it looked at at the game and said oh I
1: can make this game now precisely how it looks. I can and watch how it, how it feels and how it plays. 50,000 times I can watch how this game works and make it. Um, scoring, how the ghosts move, how Pac-Man moves, the maze obviously. I think the uh I think it's it was a good choice, an interesting choice because with it being one screen, it doesn't have to see a lot of instances of anything. Everything that's going to happen on the game happens here. It's just different states that it gets to see that screen in sure. Um, but the so. ghosts do react differently in mm-hmm. keys, and
0: the four ghosts do have a little bit of an AI to them. you know, Blinky chases after you and, and uh, Clyde kind of stays off in his own fucking world or whatever. you know so and one runs away from you, which one runs away from you? Uh, inky. There's no one named Kinky, right? That'd be a different game. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, no, it, it's interesting because we we spoke about this about the AI that beat the the, the professional Texas Hold'em players. Was it last year we spoke about it? Or earlier this year when I said, well, this is interesting now because uh, Texas Hold'em is a, a lot more complicated than than programming something to learn chess. Chess is just l- learning all the different scenarios and looking ahead and iteratively you know figuring out okay 35 moves from now this can happen that's not what happens in Texas Hold'em Texas Hold'em is is hand by hand but remembering trying to remember the patterns of the players and every bets that came before it's an entirely different game and that's why I was so impressed by the AI beating professional poker players because it, you have like that's hard to do when you're a regular like like it's hard to say I'm gonna go out and beat all these poker players like you might be able to beat a few of them but to beat a whole table that's, that's you can never predict doing that because uh, there's a lot of randomness involved as well, obviously. So, um, yeah. So, according to this non-gaming applications, the rule environment learning capabilities of GameGAN could help f- future machine learning programs. Can save time build- building creating simulations instead of requiring developers to do so. Applications like learning the layout of a warehouse and training self-driving cars. Uh, we can eventually have an AI that can learn to mimic the rules of driving, the laws of physics... Just by watching videos and seeing agents take actions in an environment, said Sanja Fiddler, director of NVIDIA's Toronto Research Lab, in a statement. So, there you go. It's interesting. It's I thought, wild. Yeah. I think we're five to ten years away from this stuff taking off. I mean, we, we're starting to see it now with... Um, they have, like, those little robot, little Dalek-looking security droid things. You ever see those things? Yeah. That walk around and do mm-hmm. things. And, obviously, we have semi self-driving cars you still have to pay attention because people are dying now because they're not paying attention because their self-driving car can screw up but we're starting to get there uh with tesla and other things but this seems like this is a whole other level of uh of ai here and it's scary it means the machines are coming in giant pac-man machines that they're going to program
1: i uh every once in a while after if i ask siri a bunch of questions i will uh thank siri i will say hey siri and I will thank her.
0: Just, just so Siri remembers you? Just, just in Kill case. this one last. Let it go to the salt mines. Just, just in Let case. it go to the silicon mines yep. in 2040. You know, by then.
1: Because I'm sure someone somewhere out there is keeping track of how many times someone says thank you to Siri.
0: All right. Yeah, I'll skip that topic. I'm in a bit bad mood right now because of a sleazy CEO. Um, Formula E driver uh, was caught cheating after he got a professional gamer to drive his car in a virtual racing contest. This is funny to me. Just because... Well, you didn't think this would be found out. Daniel Apt, ABT, asked a, a sim racer, Lorenz Horsing, to take the controls of his virtual vehicle in the Formula E Race at Home Challenge Series in support of UNICEF. This was reported by The Race, which I'm guessing is a racing news website. I don't think i ever quote the race ever on the on here the pair were rumbled by two other competitors who spotted that something wasn't quite right professional formula e, uh, e driver stoffel van Dorn, i love that name stoffel sounds like delicious uh voiced suspicions about apt after a race on saturday which his car suddenly performed far better than it had in earlier outings <laughs> in the charity contest Really not happy here because that was not Daniel driving the car himself, Van Dort said on his Twitch stream after the race. Really ridiculous. I'm questioning if it was really Daniel in the car. Okay. According to reports, event organizers were able to confirm app's rule-breaking shenanigans after inspecting IP addresses that revealed he couldn't have been driving the virtual car. In addition, a Zoom live stream comprising 20 of the drivers showed someone who shouldn't have been APT in a SIM rig, but who's... yeah. Uh, Oh, should have been apt, but whose face was blocked by an object near the
1: camera. Oh my God. You can't
0: make this up. What are you going to put a plush animal, a little dice hanging over the wheel? Come on, man. It's just
1: for a charity event. What are you doing? It's not for prize money. It's ridiculous. I would like to apologize to Formula E, all of the fans, <laughs> my team, and my fellow drivers for having called in outside help during the race on Saturday. That's an interesting way of saying for cheating. <laughs> sorry for cheating on Saturday. I, I called in outside help. I didn't take it as seriously as I should have. I'm especially sorry
0: about this because I know how much work has, been, has gone into this project as part of the, uh, the Formula E organization. Well, I didn't know there was a Formula E organization here, so now I'm learning about it. So you actually did good PR here. Event organ- organizers disqualified half from the contest and ordered him to donate ten thousand euros to a charitable project. For his involvement, Horzing was kicked out of the events contest for sim racers. Why like why, I don't understand why would you consider this? Like no one's gonna expect you to be as, as good in a, a racing sim versus in real life. Like like why would you you think I get away with that? you wouldn't be like, wait a second. Uh, wait a second. This guy's getting into, you know, he's doing, D- Daniel is doing way better than last week now. What's going on? <laughs> like, Like, uh, you didn't hear about this with, uh, oh, you hear about the guy rage quitting in the NASCAR. The
1: guy rage quit. So it looks like this guy has been actually penalized within Formula E as well. Um, Formula E is actually a, a real race. That's an actual race. It's electric Formula One cars. Sure. Okay. I so, guess so, that. Oh, yes. so it's electric. Okay. So this is this is a virtual. So this is essentially. It's like we were talking about with yes. the NASCAR. It's the same no, thing. No, I get even, that. Okay. I just never heard of virtual Formula E. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but yeah, it looks like he's been dropped from dropped. Uh, yeah, Audi. His uh, Audi drops him um, for using a ringer during a virtual would you... Formula E race. Daniel, what are you doing, buddy? What like what are you? Like... You're a professional race car driver. That's like it's so hard to get it's to that point. It's for fucking charity. It's a charity too. event.
0: You're not like I, I, I. It just boggles my mind. That's my new term for the past few weeks. I, mm-hmm. I don't understand how people think they could get away with this, or why would you risk it? You show up, you race. Hey, crash your damn your damn race car. You don't want to do it. Just crash it in a couple of laps. No one's gonna care. Just like just do that. Ra- rage quit at least. You wouldn't. It's horrible. The guy from the NAS- NASCAR driver, um, or, or I think it was NASCAR or car. I forget. Uh, he lost sponsors from from just rage quitting and right. not completing the event. It's like holy shit, dude! It's a video game. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Well, well, in that case, that wasn't a charity thing. That was part of whatever they decided right. to do. So now you're just being disrespectful to the whole organization. Right. You know, the other drivers are trying to keep interest. Now they're now they're doing real races again. They started doing that this past weekend or past week. They started they started doing real uh, races with empty stadiums. Uh, so they're trying to get back to normal. They, they, as an aside, the NHL decided we'd cut the season at 71 games and then they're going to do a 2014 playoff they said that's what we're doing we're going to cut the season short go straight to the playoffs with i guess playing tournaments and games uh the nba is now targeting i believe late july as a solid comeback and they're not sure about the format they're going to finish the season i think they had 15 games left to play roughly 15 or 16 games in the season um my take would be to play like five Warm up regular season games, and then do playing games for like the you know ninth and tenth seeds to get to against seventh eighth, and that's I think what some people were saying because uh, that'd be more exciting uh, to do that. And then you go into a, maybe a shortened playoff, but that means next season is going to start not start till probably November. But but there won't be a big layoff. They're going to go from the NBA Finals to like a month later start the new season. They have to, or else you know you're not going to start the new seasons up anymore. Uh, anyway, that's an aside. What a wacky story that was. That was a uh, that was nuts. Uh we we had uh, some Samurai Showdown uh showdown news Ian, that that came out which was interesting.
1: Yes. Um Samurai Showdown uh it has a collection coming out. Um by Digital Eclipse. It's going to be uh, in the same style as um their Street Fighter collection. Uh their SNK 40th anniversary collection in terms of it's going to have a huge digital museum full of um you know documentation and stuff like that. But the exciting thing uh, about this, besides the usual thoroughness of the project, is um, Samurai Shodown 5 Perfect is being released to uh, the public for the first time. Um, So Samurai Shodown 5 itself is kind of an interesting game. Um, I'm not sure I played 5 before. It has a standard release. It has a special release, which uh, fixes some issues. Um, And it was the last... Uh, release for the uh, Neo Geo, um, very last, really. Wow, MVS mm-hmm. system. Um, I'll look that up. But um, there was one other version that was in development uh, that had been play tested, but had never been released, and that was uh, Samurai Showdown uh, Five Special Final Edition or Samurai Showdown Five Perfect. Perfect. Um, and Perfect looks to add new storyline elements. And stuff like that, new story sequences. I'm not sure what else it's going to add, but it's uh, it's a pretty big deal. Um, what was truly supposed to be the last uh, game released for the Neo Geo by SNK is actually going to get a, a release with online play and all that.
0: So this, is, so th- what I read real quickly about Perfect was that Neo Geo wasn't aware of this being in development. They went and they put it out and play tested at one location. Neo Geo found out about it and pulled it within, like, a couple of hours, they went and pulled the fucking cabinet or pulled the board or whatever out of there. So the only evidence that this existed was, I guess, someone had taken a picture of it in the arcade. Right. And that was it. Like, oh, it existed like a like a myth. Like, it, it was out here. We have a picture of it, whenever that was, 2004, 2005, whatever that would have been about. And and so it, it's one of those strange sort of tales, right? And now they find it. They said, yeah, we had a complete... They got asked about it, and they're like, "Yeah, we got it, probably laying around." So we don't have the code, but we have the ROM. It's like, okay, well, that's good enough. You got the ROM, okay? Let's 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 do this shit. Because because you, you know, Samurai Shodown, you know, has that hardcore. You know, you want to call it like a cult fighting following. It's an excellent series. I wish I played more of it. I I, I love the. You know, I used to love playing it in the arcade it's when it was there.
1: My favorite fighting game. Well, one of my favorite fighting game series. The new one is really really good too. The new one's good? Oh, the new one's fantastic.
0: Um, it, it's just because it's a different sort of fighting game. And I just like uh, fighting games that have weapons in it. Uh, take out Time Killers. You know, I love Soul Calibur. Obviously, who doesn't? But it's just a different style of a fighting game.
1: Time was, Killers is fantastic. It's fantastically bad, yes. It's, it's one of
0: those games where you had to play it, but then you're like, this is just fucking. This is the peak of bad Street Fighter clone games of the 90s. Just the peak. I mean, I not know there was wars, but it was bad.
1: I play the Genesis version with my friend Lincoln from time to time.
0: Is it pretty accurate? The Genesis version. You need
1: five buttons though, because you need a fucking head button and the limb buttons. Um, yeah. I mean, we used the six button pads to play, <laughs> but then it. you
0: can't organize it like the five, like in the arcade was. You know, the head in the in the middle. And- yeah. <laughs> oh, but blocking was back. That's right. There wasn't a block button, Mm-mm. but it was set up like
1: Street Fighter. You had like a one yeah, in the middle, twos in the side, left, right, left, right, and headbutt. And then your special decap move is you just oh. hit all five of them at the same time. Was it five or three? It's five. But I can never pull off... You can do the swing. But I can never pull off the finishing, cut off all their limbs at the same time as the head. You literally hit all the buttons at once. Did, did the wacky thing. And it's just like... it. Basically, I mean, the way we play the Genesis version is you basically beat the shit out of someone until they go dizzy. And if they go dizzy and you hit all the buttons at the right time, you'll do the crazy. I could never do that. I could cut the head off because you just swing it, but I could never cut the limbs off. <laughs> that was yeah. the only reason to play I that. might be thinking just the head. I know what we've done, the all the limbs too, but yeah, anyways. But
0: I'm, sh- I'm sure there's a way to do it, but in the arcade that's what the only saving grace of that game was, if you can call it, was that. I kind of like the r- weird cartoony graphics of Time Killers, but we're going off topic. Anyway, so it's an interesting story because, you know, you know, who knows if we would this obviously would have seen the light of day, but obviously someone dug into it and was like, all right now let's 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 go let's do it let's just do it so this is going to come out um what is it coming out june 11th on uh epic games store then it's coming to steam next week and then switch and ps4 in j- july gets a little more time to get it onto there with everything
1: so that's cool time killers boards aren't nearly as expensive as i thought they'd be is that a jama board yeah i can get a time killers board for 120. Do <laughs> you have the buttons for it I've got six buttons on my cabinet. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Ian's going to go, time.
0: You, you might as well buy the side art get the <laughs> convert... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just... How's your arcade machine doing? I haven't played your arcade machine yet. It's great. I've been, just been playing a lot of Mr. Driller. I'm just waiting to get my Rolling Thunder cabinet at some point. They come up for sale. They're like, usually like $500, $600, $700. But being that they're uh, dedicated, technically, they're not, there's not a huge amount of them out there. But they're uh, they're nice little cabinets there. They had those... They had those cone player one and player two buttons. You know the black cone buttons with the little, little, the um, little mini button. Uh-huh. What, what are they called? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They're like the elegant buttons for for one or two players. Yeah, like little red buttons on the top. Like they're like tiny, like thumbnail size buttons uh, there. Um, and then you know we we always we can't stay a year away from them. Zack Snyder's Justice League cut was announced to come to HBO Max in 2021. Not Ian's Max, HBO Max. HBO Max is the new streaming service that's going to compete with Netflix and Hulu and, and they're, they got some heavy hitters lined up and they're also funding Sesame Street going forward. So, so good for them to, to do that. Um, and this is going to cost reportedly $30 million. So this cut was completed and that was where this whole hullabaloo started back in the fall like Zack Snyder went on his Instagram or, or some... And showed the show the, the, the film canisters saying like this is my cut of of um of Justice League, like the film cut. Like he had it done, but obviously they gotta clean up some C G. They have to get actors back to, to do some dubbing, which is usually like the last part of the process. Sure uh, there. But you're gonna it's gonna see the light of day uh, next year and there will be some people that sign up for HBO Max just to get this. This is a coup for HBO Max because this is tons of free marketing built into this. You know, you can't I mean, $30 million of them is nothing uh, to, to, to get this. And, um, yeah, it's interesting because it's not like Justice League came out a long time ago. It came out three years ago. Like, that's it. That was, like, the peak of sure. the DCEU. And after that, it all collapsed because that underperformed after um, Batman v Superman under, underperformed. And then it's been shaky ever since. Uh, Wonder Woman did did great before that came out. Um, and then Aquaman did did well. Uh, but really didn't have real connections to Justice League and then um Shazam didn't have a connection to Justice League and that did well um uh, and then Birds of Prey performed horribly recently That obviously we know all about Suicide Squad it did so well that they're basically rebooting it Suicide Squad right. within a few within like uh 3 4 years so and then Flash is not coming out until 2022 which would be 5 years after Justice League and then they canceled uh you know any any future Superman movies and there's a new and the rebooting Batman, so the DCU is obviously a fucking mess. And it's not like me and Ian, we, we've said we told you so a thousand times about this. But what's interesting about this is that this this became mythical status. This film in only three years, where it took other other films like uh, the Superman 2 cut Richard Donner cut because remember Superman 1 and 2 were shot simultaneously by Richard Donner then they they shit canned Richard Donner because they're idiots um, the producers of Superman and had like half of Superman 2 reshot and had everything thrown out so that release didn't come come back out for like 20 it was like 25 years it took for Superman 2 the Richard Donner cut to be released on DVD and to come out this has only been three years but people were clamoring for this uh, rightly or wrong, wrongly, saying we want to see Zack Snyder's original version of this because uh, Joss Whedon reshot a chunk of the movie and they digitally they digitally recaptured uh, the actors and scenes. They they lightened up scenes that were originally dark. They cut out subplots. You know they cut out Lex Luthor. They cut out uh, cut out. Uh, a dark seed was originally in it. They they basically remade the movie. It's an entirely different movie. Just like uh, the Donner Cutter of Superman Two is basically a different movie. Sure. Uh, that that has some relationship to the original, but but here you go. So, do you have any thoughts on this? I, I mean, it's interesting. I, I kind of want to see it, just because the Justice League that came out. I saw it on the plane. It's so. It's not even bad. It's just so bland. The Justice League movie, and you can see why it, it, no one really liked it because it didn't really have its own identity uh, by itself. I get that.
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't. <laughs> I have no interest in it. I still haven't seen the original. Uh, and I highly doubt it's magically going to be the movie he gets right. But... Well, here's the thing, Ian. It's reportedly four hours long. Just Jesus cut. Christ. So this isn't on Zack
0: Snyder again. This is on Warner Brothers. For giving Zack Snyder keys to the kingdom, which obviously failed. I I mean, it's on Zack Snyder, too. It is, but it's it's like giving a five-year-old a shotgun. Okay, it's like, here okay. you go,
1: have fun. That's fine.
0: Who's... you know? I mean, that... I'm sure Mr. Snyder's a nice guy, but he's a five-year-old with, with, making movies. Basically, when it comes to this stuff, he's a fucking edge lord. Yes, he's an edge lord. Yes, we'll, we'll say that. My Batman movie would go there. He'd be raped in Batman prison. Be what? what? No, prison. no, we you don't want, need you that. Want to talk dark. My movie would go there. We're not talking. We don't need gaming rapists uh, in, in our world <laughs> anyway. It's fucking ridiculous. Another edge lord right there. Uh, who coined that sleazy CEO? Anyway, so. Let's not pretend, Snyder fans out there, that had this come out, this would have saved the DCU because it was already done. It was fucking done at that point.
1: That's what I'm getting at. This isn't going to magically be the movie he fucking nailed. This isn't going to be the movie he got right. Uh, Fucking Batman v Superman. Bad. Man of Steel. Bad. This wasn't going to magically begin. Well, they've gotten progressively worse because you can say he got
0: he got all this job because of Watchmen and then Man of Steel, but Watchmen was Watchmen is, is considered largely widely considered the, the, the greatest graphic novel of all time. You would think the movie based on that would at least be in the top fifteen of superhero movies. It isn't even the top my top twenty. It's not even in my top twenty. It doesn't even get to there. Like it it doesn't even cross into there. X Men Two is is in there before there. The original Superman is in probably my top five. People forget how great the original Superman was. You know, like, he, he to me, he under, he over-directs on style to under-directs on substance. And I, that's not controversial. That's all of his movies. Yes, sure. 300 is nice to watch, but there's no substance to that movie at all. You know? I'm not gonna bring up uh, uh, Dawn of the Dead. That's a nice little watch. I saw that in theaters. There's no substance to that movie compared to the original Dawn of the Dead. Sure. It's just, oh, it's flashy, zombie movie it's artistically it looks artistic uh i don't know about the one um uh, the one that you hate uh the one with all the uh all the the anime w- women one i don't know if if you like oh, sucker punch yeah sucker punch like, i have no idea if that's even decent but the point is that when you're doing a cinematic universe you have to have sub substance laid down the bears of substance and not just style or people like me are like I, I don't want to watch this. I mean, I I try to sat th- uh, try to sit through Batman v Superman, and I've seen like chunks of it here and there whenever it's on TV. It's just it's a chore to watch that movie. It's a chore, sure, to sit through it. You don't watch it and say this is a, this is a, this is a comic book movie, you know, or, or even graphic novel movie. So when you give that person the keys to a, a multi billion dollar kingdom. And it falls flat in your face. Don't think that the four-hour supercut would have saved it, because it's not like they would have released a four-hour cut anyway. They wouldn't have
1: released a three-hour cut in theaters. No, either. it would have been two hours and twenty-five minutes, or two and a half. So it would have been a cut anyways. This yes. is this is just a fucking masturbatory dream project. Who,
0: who approved the budget to go and shoot a four-hour movie? Hmm. Because cause Endgame was uh, three hours, and that was long in the tooth, but that was like the, the most I could have sat through. You know, in Avengers, was like three hours. I mean, it, it, it used its time well enough, but it's like, come on, man. What are we doing now here? Let's get, let's get this over with. Pat's got to take a piss. he got a giant size soda here. But am I interested in watching this, though? Yes, because there's like supposedly uh, Green Lanterns show up in this. Um, for parts of the movie, or Martian Manhunter is in this supposedly and Darkseid's in it and Luther's in it because he was in Batman v Superman so it would be nice to, to see an original director's vision completed because it is a shame when that gets pulled away from them supposedly there's a uh, director's cut of the original Suicide Squad with David Ayers that was pulled away that won't be any better because Suicide Squad was awful with what they had anyway so yeah you can maybe uh, sort of smooth out the original director's vision it would not have set the world on fire the Zack Snyder cut sure Batman V Superman did awful with critics. It underperformed. We know that. That's why this was this this universe was taken away from him. A, a, a Zack Snyder Universe Wonder Woman would have been awful to watch. Or, or
1: Aquaman. Oh god. Those, those moves were a little more upbeat. A Zack Snyder uh, Wonder Woman would have been brutal.
0: Would have been terrible.
1: Yeah. Or Flash. Like
0: Flash is like an upbeat zany character. It would have been would have been terrible to watch. <sighs> So it's coming to, coming to HBO Max. There you go. Not, not not Ian's Max, again. So anyway. Well, that's it with, for our 37-minute our long intro uh, there. And uh, I didn't think we'd get that long. You ready to go for the main uh, podcast topics? If you're watching on YouTube, remember, this is an audio podcast as well. Go on Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, search for a uh, completely unnecessary podcast or go to Com and listen to the rest of it while Ian uh, fingers his... Uh, His his, uh, finger uh, handheld. Is it Miss Pac Man or Pac Man game? It's a Pac
1: Man 40th anniversary Tamagotchi, which is why I'm holding it because that's our next topic. 40th birthday for Pac Man. Woo! Happy birthday,
0: guy. (laughs) May 22nd, uh, 1980. Uh, uh, Also a Taurus like me, Pac Man. Tauruses are nice. (laughs) Taurus. Well, he was a Taurus at first. Pac Man comes out originally. By Namco, uh, Turo Iwatani uh, developed it at Namco. They they uh, uh, put it in a few locations on May 22nd, and then uh, later they widely released it in Japan later. And it came to uh, the U.S. near the end of the year, I believe, some early December, mid December, something like that. I don't know the specific time, but somewhere near the end of the year. So it's a 1980 video game here. So Pac-Man is an interesting game because you can almost look at Pac-Man. And see, like this is the official launching point into the mainstream and pop culture of video games, and it started with Pac-Man. Um, by and large, you can almost divide up video games how they were looked at, almost on a on a, a creative level, pre and post Pac-Man. To me, um, before Pac-Man, if you look at there wasn't, I mean, there was there was obviously Space Invaders. There were some arcade games. To me, they were more. We'll just say. Abstract in, 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 in sort of creation. It's like, oh, you're you're a spaceship guy. You're just shooting stuff, or um, you're you're uh, like the, the the Midway game. Oh, you're just you're doing an old west shootout. You're shooting each other. Sure. Or uh, the the game I I, I thought of uh, the vector the vector uh, graphics game that I couldn't think of last week. Warrior was like the one on one lightsaber seventy oh, nine. Warrior.
1: Yeah. I don't think of that as lightsaber,
0: but yeah, it's a yeah. lightsaber. <laughs> uh, it kind of looks like a lightsaber. Uh, but the whole point is that
1: there's a pit you can fall
0: into. Yes. I've only played it once in my life, but these are like more like abstract. What you can do in real life as a video game, you can sword fight, you can you can shoot out the OS, you can do shark hunting. Uh, I'll bring up a list of games from like say seventy five to seventy nine. But you see my point. Uh, you are not taking on like a mascot character and then sort of world building to that extent around this ca- this cartoonish character sure. that has a personality. This is this is now thinking about, to me, video games in a brand new way. In Space Invaders, you're a, a, a nameless nobody in, in a ship. Um, in, in Missile Command, which, uh, what year was Missile Command? Was that 80 or 81? You don't have an identity. You're just commanding the ICBM uh, knockout. Uh, Missile Command was 80. So around the same time. When you're playing Centipede, you're either a gnome in some version, or you're like a spaceship. Like like,
1: sure. You don't have the personality. So... Um, 5200 version. You're a little elf with a wand.
0: Is that elf? That's 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 some of the yes. graphics, right. You're an elf, not a gnome. You see, you see what I mean though. Yeah.
1: So what was, do you, do you have any Pac-Man memories? You want you want to talk about? Um, I actually wrote about them last week, but Pac-Man always reminds me of my grandparents um, on my mom's side. Uh, growing up, there was a 5200 in their living room. Um. So I probably played this for my first time. Probably like 84, 85. I was born in 82. But I remember playing, sitting on my grandfather's lap and him teaching me how to play Pac-Man. And the weird thing about this 5200 is it would have been my youngest uncle, um, who I think was just finishing high school probably at that time. Um, but I never saw anyone in my family use that 5200, except for my grandfather and my grandmother and, like, every once in a while, my mom would play kicks or something on it during the holidays over there. Um, so my grandfather taught me how to play Pac-Man. And uh, it was the only game that either of them, I think, ever really, you know, uh, got attached to. They had an Apple IIe for a long time, and my grandma got really into Load Runner. Um, but, yeah, Pac-Man was, like, the beginning and the end of video games for some people. And I think that's, a, a you know, a good example. It was uh, It, was, it d- was, like, the peak to them. Well, it was, you know, it was one of those things where they weren't ingrained in everyday life, and you could be old enough where something popular would come out and be like, oh, I played Pac Man. It's like when we talk to people like Frank or whatever, they remember playing Atari or something like that, but they Mm -hmm. don't always. They did it when it was popular, they did it when it was cool. Um, But it was still a fad. It was still a fad. It was considered a fad. But um, no, even into like, you know. The mid 90s, I remember my grandfather would fire up that 5200 every once in a while and play Pac Man um, to the point where I would look for controllers for him when I'd go to flea markets because the 5200 controller was notoriously fucking awful. Um, my mom actually got good at taking them apart and cleaning them and putting them back together <laughs> to keep them in working order for him. Um, and then, like I said, I talked about it uh, in my writing this week, but I remember. A memory that I have that's very fond of my grandmother is um, my grandfather was in the hospital for what must have been, I don't know, it must have been like his baker's dozen heart attack. He had so many heart attacks. And he was in Cleveland Clinic for a couple of weeks and I was staying with my grandmother watching the house um, so she could go, you know, travel be with him, uh, do all sorts of things. So I was taking care of the mail, answering phone calls, that sort of thing. And they had Pac-Man on their uh, gateway computer. It came in one of those Microsoft arcade packages. I don't know which one. Um, and okay. And so I just I mm. took to playing it. Um. And my grandmother played it as well. And long story short, this one kept track of scores. And I had set some some score. It was good at the time. It wasn't like competitive good, but it was good. And uh, like two months later my mom got a random call from my grandmother and all it was was my grandmother telling my mom to tell that punk grandkid of mine i beat his high score and she hung up wow so apparently for two months she was very very intent on beating my high score good 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 for her and she did so yeah no uh yeah i love pac-man um I have lots of Pac Man tchotchke. I love playing the different games. Um, I'm a huge Namco fan. Most people know that. Um, You know, and, you know, Pac is kind of the Namco mascot. So I have a lot of love for Pac Man um, and the games. But yeah, no, I absolutely immediately think of family when it comes to Pac Man. Uh, Pac Man, I had this book, Pac Man. I've had this
0: book forever. Um, This came out in 82. And it's by the editor, it's a consumer guide. And if you want to talk about. How many games in the history of video games you could have produced a book like this that not just covers like strategies, it covers all the merchandise,
1: it covers promo items, it talks about. And that's from when eighty-two. Eighty-two. So we're so talking there's, the there's height. A, of there's a lot of yeah. I mean, there's a lot of shit up for it by that point.
0: B- but you 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 have in here, um, cultural like events out in the public that were themed around Pac-Man. This talks about the lawsuit with Casey Munchkin between Phillips and uh, Midway and Atari sued them. Actually, Casey Munchkin's covered in this book, surprisingly. They go through the game and say, oh, it's a it's a decent game. Well, it's kind of surprising, but it's Consumer Reports. Talks about Pac-Man Day happening at, at, at malls and events out there and people dressing up in these... Oh, I hope that costume still exists, that giant furry Pac-Man it's costume. It's great. Um, so you're really talking about, this is the first time you could do this with a video game. Sure. And there's not many games after this, you would have the popularity to have done this with. You probably can talk about maybe three or four games ever. Or that reach, I'd say, the cultural significance uh, Mario did. But the thing about Mario was, it wasn't a single game that got him there. It had to be multiple games that got Mario there to get ingrained to that extent. With Pac-Man, it was just the one game you needed. And yeah, there were singles and Miss Pac-Man definitely helped, but just the one game was enough. To sort of shoot him off into the stratosphere, sure. And then it peaked with Miss Pac-Man, and after that, it was a slow, you know, down. You peaked with Miss Pac-Man, because after that, you, you know, Junior Pac-Man, Super Pac-Man, Pac-Man Plus, you kind of run out of steam there with the, with the iterations of a maze game, right? Mm-hmm. Until you get to like, you know, PacLand, and you have a different game that some people love, like me. But I think Pac-Land a, is great, but it's not really a popular game. Um, but the turbo version is so good. Is that it's based on the Japanese one? Because you have the long nose. We talked about that in the video game years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but you see what I mean, though. How many games could you have done a book like this and, cro- and talked about cultural events in the mainstream, political cartoons where they used them? Sonic, maybe. Mario, Pac-Man. I mean, yeah. That's basically it. I would say Sonic, Mario, Pac-Man are kind of it. And I don't know if Sonic ever reached the heights of Pac-Man in terms of being everywhere and people talking about in the news, like news, like yeah, like, you know, news, uh, then again, arcades were such on a heavy rise that they were covering arcades like a new phenomenon because they kind of were sure. to that point. But going back to the games that, the sort of like, what were video games like? This is a list on Club, uh, which is now com. I missed the original Club name. These are the sort of games that, have co- that came out like on, you talk about 79, you're talking about, I don't know if they're still making Fairchild games in 79, uh, but you had uh, and then television wasn't really out yet until 80 uh, mainstream. So we're talking about Atari 2600 and then, what, Odyssey 2 in 79? And that's really it? Really? Because uh, yeah. uh, I don't think RCA Studio 2 was really selling. But you had games like Triple Attack, Meteorites, Hyperspace, Meteoroid, Galaxian you had, Lunar Lander, Splash, um, Fortress, Field Goal, Dodgem, Atari Baseball, like cosmic monsters, so you had alien games, sports games, army games, or military games, and that's really it. Like that's that was like your 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 game breadth, right? It was for like adults or geared towards uh, largely a, a male audience, and that was it. Like it, it, it had, they had not figured out the sweet spot of let's get a game that everyone could enjoy. Boys and girls, men and women, it's cute, it's colorful. Like they, it didn't, uh, it didn't phase them that that was an idea yet. It's just amazing, like that, that yeah. wasn't a thing yet. Then obviously afterwards, we'll throw everything at the wall. We'll get Donkey Kong. We'll license Pop. Nintendo will license Popeye. You know, like like you, like Nintendo wasn't
1: doing games like this yet. No, um, I'm trying to think what they would have been doing at that point. Let's see, any Nintendo games come out in '79 here?
0: They did a game called SF High Splitter. What is that game? I have no idea. Can't even find it. I'm guessing that would have been like a game like I don't know maybe like Radar Scope. Uh, they but they also they did at this time they did a game called Space Launcher Head On N Monkey Magic
1: Radar Scope obviously Sheriff. Battle Shark. Okay, Sheriff. I was thinking Sheriff would have been that era, so that, but that's another, like, Wild Just shoot shootout. him, yeah. L- like the Midway game. Block Fiber.
0: It's, what is that, like a, a, a serial thing? Computer Othello. Shooting Trainer. And then Wild and Shooting Trainer, which was not the Nintendo Wild Gunman we know of. That's just, that was, that was probably the, the the Light Gun one, I'm guessing? Yeah. You know, with, with with live actors there? Right. I, I thought that was earlier than 79, but club is off on some dates, because they have Puckman listed on 79, and it's not 79. Obviously, it's 80. So, yeah. So, that's what I mean when I talk about th- the the history of video games you could divide with Pac-Man. Yes. You can't. It, so, there's a very obvious before and after. That's what I mean. And, and that's why most important video game, bar none. <laughs> Sorry, Norm. I have to rub that in. Anyway, so, so again, um, so this is why I think it's important. And obviously, we all love Pac-Man, they, and I love the, the resurgence of Pac-Man in the past, say, 10, 12 years with
1: Pac-Man uh, Championship uh, Series and Battle Royale Arcade game. Like, I mean, it, Pac-Man Championship Edition, the first one, was the reason I bought my 360. And for the was first, it really? For the first month I had my system, it was the only game I had on there it was Pac-Man Championship Edition. I literally bought a 360 for that game. Just to play good old Pac. Just to play Championship Edition. And, uh, and obviously, any, any barcade you go
0: in, uh, if you can go back into them, has, has a Battle Royale machine.
1: Oh, oh, Battle Royale yeah. is so
0: good. It's so good. It's quick. You play the game in a few minutes with four people. Um, you know, the, the cocktail version or the awesome giant deluxe monstrosity one, which I don't know what even would cost to buy that. 10 grand. The one with
1: the bar stools and all that shit? Yeah, the one that's yeah, it's it's got the four bar stools and the big TV. And, and, and you all have, you, you, each player has his own console yeah. to
0: play with? God, it's fantastic.
1: Um, there. I also want to mention real quick uh, the popularity of Pac-Man um, I mean, he's popular in Japan, but he is hugely popular in the U.S., more so than I think people think. I think people think his popularity is universal. Um, but there are certainly times where I think Pac-Man is probably more popular than in uh, Japan. For instance, these Pac-Man Tamagotchis are U.S. only. They're really? Not, they're not even being released in Japan. Yeah. Those are somewhat new? Uh, yeah, they just came out for the 40th
0: anniversary. So you don't think a lot of those um, you know, uh, crappy... Uh, all in one joysticks, acting steps came out in Japan. Just came out here. Like they
1: might time. have, but I, I, I mean, uh, and Pac Man is important, but he's not, like his popularity in the U.S. You know, it's it's not it's not just an extension of Japanese popularity. In a lot of ways, he's more popular here. I would say than he even is in Japan. I guess that makes I mean sense. there are products that straight up, like I said, they don't. Come you know, I mean, Tamagotchi, That's Bandai. It's a Japanese company. They make all sorts of special edition ones. They do Pokemon ones. They do Evangelion ones. They do Pac Man ones, and you think that they would be available over there? they just, they decide they don't care.
0: We have the cartoon here. I I, I made, never got translated into Japanese, and obviously we had the hit Buckner and Garcia number one song (laughs) uh, uh, there. Yeah, there was no video game cartoons before Pac Man, or there was no, um, you you weren't doing um, uh, hit songs before that, and obviously the amount of toys and plush and PJs and again it's all in this book and I'll talk about this in the NES Punk video that I shot that I have to edit uh, this week uh, there that it it was a phenomenon and it was such a phenomenon that the utter disappointment over the shitty 2600 version uh, was was one of the sparks that lit the video game crash uh, fuse yeah Uh, I mean we're talking the most popular game one of the most popular games of all time we'll just put out a horrible version of
1: absolutely miserable miserable
0: and I can't believe they let that go out. I mean obviously they wanted to probably make, make dates, but like I can't believe they wouldn't think that would be a
1: bad idea. And then they plus they overproduced them by several million. Like that's they, they made more copies than there were Ataris sold at that point. Like why would you I mean, as we've learned they're, about they're the anti Nintendo. As well, we've learned, well, I was going to say you can learn a lot from Nintendo these days. I mean, even your most popular games don't have a one to one attach rate because
0: that's because that's insane. Why would you do that?
1: That would be insane. And then to make enough copies so that everyone who owns an Atari can have one, plus sell more systems, so you make you make them for more than a one to one attach. Instead it, of seeing absolute, how something,
0: instead of seeing how something will sell, even do maybe half attach rate. A, ha- a half attach rate never even happens. Ever, well, but let's make sure we do that, and then make more afterwards. Like, get that money now, Warner Communications. Get that money right now, and then put us out of business. Um, and then, and then it was a packing on the fifty two hundred. You think they would have realized? Okay, we're kind of make up for an error because it's a lot closer to the arcade, even though it's not an arcade translation because it's wider. I love but, the fifty two hundred version. I love the way it looks. You think they would have figured out that? we would not have crappy analog joysticks or at least provide a a digital joystick to play the most popular arcade game. They didn't even provide an option, Atari, for that. They didn't even say, well, we know this is a shitty shitty packing controller. Here's your $20 Pac-Man controller. Right. To, they didn't even do that. They let third parties try to do that. And that's why the third party... Fifty two hundred controllers, like the Wicos, go for like
1: eighty bucks. Well, the Wico uh, is kind of like an attachment thing. It's basically you have to a, attach it to it. A, yes. You use a standard, basically, you can use the you Wico in- controller, yes. or you can get a Wico adapter that will let you use an entire twenty six hundred controller as well. You have the interface with a shitty digital
0: readout of the buttons that almost no game fucking used. You know, you had to do that. Yeah, uh, but um, see what I mean, though. So we've you, got, we've had them at work before. I, I have a few of the, uh, a few of the uh, Wico ones. I, I found that. Um, at the, at the swap meet for like 15 bucks I, like I saw those with like games like okay I'm grabbing these I know they're hard to find but you think Atari would have learned, their le- Atari is just like the model of never learning their lesson like for like 15 years yeah. I, that's what happens. anyway so happy birthday Pac-Man being 40 isn't bad get a few gray hairs but you know do some yoga you know eat a little healthier we'll keep going we'll keep it going strong Ian I got my first cell phone with one of those big wireless providers years and years back. I've honestly hated my monthly bill ever since, but then I discovered there's another option that could give me premium service I'm used to at a fraction of the cost. I could cut my wireless bill down to just $15 a month and save hundreds of dollars a year by switching to Mint Mobile. For anyone out there who's looking to save without sacrificing service, switching to Mint Mobile is a no-brainer. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile can pass those savings on to you. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text plus crazy fast 4G LTE. You use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. They just mail you the SIM card in the mail, you get the app, you sign up, and there you go. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their 7-day money-back guarantee. To get your new wireless plan for just $15 a month and get your plan shipped to your door for free, go to MintMobile.com Slash C U Podcast. That's Mintmobile.com slash C U Podcast. Cut your wireless bill to just fifteen bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash CU podcast. Uh, Ian, hmm. our our favorite uh, gray market digital game seller, G2A, is back in the news.
1: Yeah, so G2A is back in the news for um <laughs> kind of uh putting their foot in their mouth. So, G2A made a uh, uh a promise after they got called out. What's G2A real So quick? G2A sells resells uh keys for games. Um a lot of people will go there initially because they, you know, they're looking for a price on a game. Steam might have a game for sixty. Epic Game Store might have a game for sixty. And you're looking around, and you might see this website called G Two A that might have that game for twenty five bucks, fifteen bucks, thirty bucks, under fifty bucks. Yeah, fifty bucks. Uh Huh. Oh, yeah. Isn't that nice? So you, um, what G Two A is though is it's essentially a. A uh, well I'm going to say it it's oftentimes used as a fence for stolen codes is what G2A is so G2A ideally is it's a place where you you know buy a code for a game for cheaper how would people acquire these legitimately um, they're you know they're thinking is like okay so if you're a reviewer and you've got a billion review codes or something and you're never going to use them all you sell the review codes on G2A or, or something or a Hubble bundle
0: you get individual codes
1: uh, Humble Bundle, I think, yeah, you can you get, get the codes code, okay. too. So that's another way you can sell it if you already have the game. But um, otherwise, getting them legitimately to to sell
0: them, I, or, or guess if you bought it and then never used it and you want to sell it. Also, I, I just need I to say
1: that it's kind of gross to sell a code that you're given for free. Oh, it's disgusting uh, it's, to do that. Yeah, it's it's, it's disgusting. Because, but those are the yeah. these are those are the legitimate ways you would be able to you know get these. codes.
0: But G two A is known also for being a site where uh, you know fraudulent chargebacks and you get the codes real quick, because then you basically then have, have a credit that, that you can sell. Um, so that's been known to happen when credit card numbers get wiped out of a database somewhere.
1: Yeah, so what happens you know. is, basically, to, to, uh, to make money, people will um, take, like, a, uh, um, a stolen credit card, and they'll buy a shitload of codes for a game. Once those codes are turned into something... You don't know if that code is valid or not until you try to input it. So what'll happen is they'll buy all these codes, they'll get these codes, they'll put them up out for sale on G two A. The codes stay even after there's a chargeback. Sure, you have the codes in your whatever your text pad folder. Right. Uh, So then the codes are still sold, and then it's a you know it's a dead code. Um, So there's been lots of. negativity about g2a for for good reasons uh you know a lot of developers most developers i know and some of them have said it publicly if you can't afford our game pirate it just pirate it please like don't don't buy it from g2a because you're supporting what is oftentimes uh you know criminal activity um but you're giving money to people for something that they got for nothing and it's allegedly used by money launderers as well yes to wash their money by buying coats for right exactly yeah. allegedly so um, last year they said that uh, they were they were offering to pay studios ten times the cost of their games if it was found to be selling stolen keys only one company took them up on the offer turns out that g2a was selling a bunch of stolen keys i don't know why everyone wouldn't do that (laughs) okay maybe just not worth their time but it doesn't bode well for them when they come out and they say with bravado 10 times if you if we're selling stolen keys only one developer one took them up off on it and out of their one out of one shot uh they were stolen they were selling stolen keys so um in a blog post called keeping our promise g2a (laughs) says (laughs) that of the 321 keys Woob reported as having been stolen. Their internal investigation revealed that 198 had been sold by G2A. There you go. As a result of that, G2A is now paying the company $39,600 or ten times the value of any bank initiated so. refund costs that Victoria paid in relation to each of the 198 illegitimate keys sold via Marketplace. So so, so yeah. you think
0: that this, this doesn't mean that G2A are good guys by doing this it just shows that how if, if
1: no it doesn't mean they're good guys at all it, it shows that they are doing exactly what people have been saying they're doing that they claimed a,
0: a smaller game imagine if imagine the larger companies how much frauds going on right exactly like this doesn't exonerate them this proves it
1: yeah exactly this is not exoneration uh, just because you're like okay good you said what you did but yeah you were trying to say that this does not occur it obviously does clearly it occurs we've got to read their statement with crocodile tears here.
0: When we launched this offer, we wanted to send a clear message to the gaming community that fraud hurts all parties. As we spell out in this blog, fraud directly hurts individuals who buy illegitimate keys. It hurts gaming developers, and ultimately hurts ultimately hurts G two A because we are forced, as a transaction facilitator, to cover costs related to the sale. We wanted to amplify that message and capture people's attention, so pledged to compensate developers uh, ten times the value of any chargeback fees they incurred, despite the fact that we had nothing to do with, with the illegal acquisition of these keys. Well,
1: you provide the marketplace yeah, you for you the provide them, right, to occur. exactly. You 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 have provided a- providing the
0: playpen for the illegality. Um, the gaming developer community has our solidarity and sympathies on this issue. Sympathies. And we want to continue building bridges. With our main point being made about the seriousness of fraud in the industry, from now on we will compensate developers the full value of any chargeback, chargeback fees they incurred for any keys sold via G2A marketplace
1: if they, if they are able to prove they were illegitimate. I think it's important to point out now that now they will only pay back the chargeback fees. Yes. They're not doing a 10-time thing. Now that they've realized that maybe... Oh, they know they know, did. but they yeah. said no, anyone would, would go through this. And then I'm, I'm surprised they
0: actually uh, went through with their own internal investigation and came up with it. They could have said, Oh, no, there's nothing, it's fine, right? So, so they, but imagine if like Ubisoft went to them and said, Okay, we want a full auditing, yeah. And it was like th- several thousand keys, just imagine that. You know, that's why it would, it would, it would, it would unfortunately spotlight them, and let people know they exist. But like, you, you would hope that these companies would go after them. You know, but maybe other companies have a better way of knowing when these chargebacks happens because of the credit card theft and things like that and I don't know it's it's just it, no you're not endearing yourself to to the game developers and publishers
1: no and- they'll they you as what you're your thieves and Luke Plunkett, who wrote this article for Kotaku, uh, you know uh says it great and in it's his in in closing apparently fraud hurts g two a because we are forced as the transaction facilitator to cover costs related to the sale. Who wrote this? Why is the onus here on helping them discover their own fuck-ups instead of G2A pledging to do a better job sourcing keys? How because about you it, find a way to stop selling stolen keys? Because I can't source keys in a while. Their business... And, that, and that's the thing. And I wanted to say this when you mentioned um, when you mentioned it being a playground. There are places. For instance, Twitter exists. Uh, AOL, for you know, when it existed. Chat rooms. All these things. Oh. All these places that, you know, all these, like, large... Um, you know, social networks, illegal things can happen on them. But that's not the entirety for its existence. You, there is no way to source discount keys other than doing it this way. Your sure. entire your yeah. entire company exists for this purpose because there is no ethical way to source keys. You can't go out and get these. You have no other way to get these there's the two ways that you're going to get them the one way that is halfway okay that's fine selling off your excess fucking humble bundle keys if you've already got the game sure. fine I I mean most people I know are fucking decent humans and just give them away because you already got them. But, for but super that's cheap. not that's wouldn't be illegal. though. But that wouldn't be illegal. Yeah. But it's fucking absolutely dirty to sell off review codes that you're given and be on the Paul to fucking act like you know there's not. But there's not enough review codes in the existence to support a strategy. That's like right. GTA. Yeah. No. Exactly. And yeah. that's what I'm getting at. The only way to truly have enough codes to, is is yeah. through these gray or black market means. Yeah, even calling this gray market is weird because I would love to, to, if you did a full auditing
0: of the percentages, and see what it came up with. It Would it be half and half, half Fraudulent or half were acquired fraudulently with chargebacks and stolen credit card numbers, and half weren't. I would love to see the percentage.
1: If, if there's a way a company like this can exist ethically, I'd love to know it because I oh. cannot think of any. Well, H- humble goes out and, and they they partner well, the directly. Hum- yeah, but yeah. That, that's what I that's what I mean. But that that right then and there makes humble something different. There yes. is no way to just be a third party fence for code. You and, can't and, hum- do it. And humble curates and they yes. The, that's they have the, subscriptions, so Humble's really yes. taken off to kind of be its own thing. And uh, yes, of course, obviously they're going out there and working with actual developers to get things into bundles to be cheaper. Yes. And it's, a, it's a win-win. Right. It's a ton of exposure. You get
0: your name out there. They have their own store now you know, where or, or it basically operates on its own and now they do, like you said, they do their subscription thing where they offer, you know, free games for the monthly fee every month. You get whatever, a handful
1: of free games. And Honestly, so. if I played more games, it looks like it's a fairly good deal. The stuff that they put in those monthly, like, uh, subscription bundles and they, and look decent. They, I and mean, they they're support, good games. And they support devs. They now are funding devs to help finish games. And they also, uh, there's also always a way to donate to charity. Humble Bundle's yeah. always done that. Humble Bundle no. is great. That's, I mean, if you want something, this is, that's your best option. But no, you're not going to find a GTA five there for for $8. And you you can't just go and search for something and have it pop up. Like it's, it's, it's curated. It's based on what they can offer you.
0: Would there be a way to do this legally? Like if I went to EA or Ubisoft and said, I want 50,000 keys at this discount wholesale, the same way you can wholesale, you know, physical video games. But as you know, there's a built-in cost. Obviously it would cost them less to get me the keys. It's literally generating and giving me, Would a company be down for that? I wonder if they would. But to me, they probably wouldn't because they'd be like, well... There's no stock to move.
1: There's nothing to produce. I don't think that they see it as something that they need to get rid of because they're going to move those games anyway. There's enough existing stores. Right. There's enough existing stores and people are going to... It's been shown. when, When you're not... Nintendo does it all the time. When your stuff doesn't go on sale all the time... People just buy it for regular price. They're trained, or
0: or rarely goes on sale. Nintendo right. does sales, but it's like the games never new, new or even a year old. It's always like down the line.
1: Yeah, and it's always you like twenty dollars off a digital code. It's never like the physical. Oh copy. yeah, hey, forty dollars for the sixty dollar game that's been out for. I love Nintendo products, but my god, they yeah they don't hey, they don't ever drop the price. They energy. keep
0: the value up, and hey, I respect that. They's like hey, we're not gonna take any less, buddies. We, we, you know, we got to keep that profit rolling in. You know, I mean, hey. But hey That's why hey, they have hey, money
1: To float them For 50 hey, fucking years
0: That's why they have money, money to, to make game of the year Clubhouse uh, games uh, You know 51 Worldwide World right. classics so, so, so there you have it So G2A I just think it's funny I wish the companies Banded together And said we want a full audit But then again They're, they're in like Poland So there's no jurisdiction Or whatever Right So but it, it's, just, it's just weird
1: Alright, All right, moving on One
0: of my favorite One of my favorite All-time movies Also turned 40 Is Was May 1980 the, Just the year of greatness? Just three great things Happened in May 1980 So Empire Strikes Back What was the third one? May the Empire Strikes Back <laughs> <You>. Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Turns 40, Turned 40 years old um. remember zeros and fives we didn't talk about this in the 35th anniversary no we didn't and I, this podcast probably won't be, won't be around in 10 years if it is you know, I don't know one of us will be on it but anyway so Empire's Rise Back came out May 17th 1980 so we're a little bit behind oh that was in the Kennedy Center 21st May 21st 1980 uh, here <laughs> also Mount St. Helens, Helens erupted in 1980 but that was bad some people died with that a uh, gigantic, probably the biggest volcanic eruption we've had uh, since then. Um, anyway, so, comes out, does extremely well critically, and does well at the box office. And obviously, it's the sequel to Star Wars. I love this movie for a bunch of different reasons. Um, when you look at the history of Star Wars, um, it's almost like the history of video games. Uh, before and after Empire Strikes Back. Star Wars, when that came out, yes, it was a huge cultural phenomenon. Yes, it was a hit. Yes, it, 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 merchandising out the wazoo for a movie for a movie like that had never happened before. So, it, so the first Star Wars was was like Pac Man in that extent. Or you can divide the history of movies before and after Star Wars. You can do that with Pac Man for video games. Empire Strikes Back, though, made the franchise be taken a little more seriously. And it actually established it as a franchise. Because before that, Star Wars was a standalone movie. It was a standalone movie. And it could have died there if that movie came out and no one saw it. It was done. It was a standalone tale in its way. Did it set up a potential sequel? Yes. But it was a self-contained story on its own. And we look at uh you know people are like well Luke is planned out that uh, having night no no it, like yeah pie in the sky said it was one movie that was going to be made and it was financed by one mo- for for one movie with 20th century fox and that's what it, you know that's what it was at the time and they didn't even think it was going to be that big of a hit at, at the time the, 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 the fucking toys didn't come out in time for christmas that year like they, they, there was nothing planned uh, for this until they realized oh this is a huge hit we got to we got to ramp this up uh, so, Empire Strikes Back, though, is the only one of the original three movies, I would say, that stands alone as this is a serious, dramatic film that you can watch and be like, wow, this is super artistic. Wow, this isn't... There's no, like, just cheap, cartoony kid stuff in this movie. Wow, this this is uh, something that's kind of terrifying in places. Like, terrifying yeah. if you're a kid watching that movie. Um
1: to me there's some moments that I wish I was a kid Luke in the woods while training is absolutely terrifying oh well, when he
0: sees the Darth Vader yeah. image yeah I, I wasn't even talking about that but that's even a sort of a stark sort of dramatic artistic scene. It's like oh his face shows up in Vader's helmet after he cuts his heads off that shows the you know the, the, the demon struggle I'm more talking about Han getting fucking frozen in carbonite sure if you're watching that as, a... and that's even before the you know the lightsaber battle. Mm-hmm. If you're watching that as a kid, you just saw this this a few years ago when you're six, uh, four years old, like, a, a character like get brutalized on screen after he got tortured,
1: the torture f- part five was, minutes before. Was, was was always a bit more scary to me the the carbonite.
0: That's bad. Come on. That's, yeah. If you're a kid, I, I can't even put a frame of reference on that. If you're an a, a, a eight-year-old kid watcher, people are like, oh, Avengers Avengers! Uh, Infinity War. Uh, you know they were coming back in that movie. I mean, even though you didn't know they were coming, come on. Yeah. This is seeing all your heroes get shit on for the last half of that movie. Like, it, it's peril. It's absolute peril. It's not a happy ending. It's a we've barely escaped with our lives ending, which is why it's brilliant that they went to that and no one saw that coming. It didn't get reviewed uh, well by some at the time because of that. Sure. They're like, what the hell is this? Because you hadn't seen that before. Like cliffhanger, a cliffhanger ending of a movie in a series like that just didn't exist for something like that, especially when the first movie was so popular to take that creative risk to go down that road. To be okay. Let's do something. There were some dark moments in the first stars, but it was a light movie in comparison to this. Sure. Um, and to go down that route, and to see the the Rebel Alliance get brutalized, at Hoth, barely escape. They're on the run the rest of the movie. They're they're on the run the whole movie. The Rebel Alliance and, and Han and Leia with, with Chewbacca and C three P o and R two D two. Who goes with Luke? Actually, it, it's just they they expanded the world and universe they had a, a very good director in uh, Irving uh, Kirshner. Uh, great screenplay. It was rewritten. Uh, Lucas didn't like the first draft. It was rewritten. Uh, Lawrence uh, Kazin came on. a uh, Lay Brackett died. I think she did the first uh, draft. She died. Lawrence Kazin, who still writes today, brilliant, came back and rewrote the final draft. They changed Vader. The most famous thing was they changed Vader into being Luke's, Luke's uh, father. That was not the plan from the beginning. Don't let anyone tell you any different. Lucas did not have it planned out. Uh, originally Vader was just some sort of just fucking henchman. That's how he was treated in the first movie. Now he becomes the big baddie and, and they sort of um, gave him humanity. They show him without the helmet. They have him, They have the Emperor show up. They they gave this universe some sort of life. They expanded upon the original story which was kind of paper thin. I've been talking about how how brilliant the character of Yoda is and the puppetry work by Frank Oz. It's to me one of the most brilliant movies I've ever seen. And that's even without it being a Star Wars film, just for what it did as its uh, as a sequel. It, sure. it was sort of like one of those... There's very few of those r- sequels where you say it's better than the original. Like, this is in a, sort of a handful of all-time films, a true sequel that was better than the original. Like, people say, yeah, Godfather 2 was better than the original. I prefer the original Godfather, but I, I can see the case for Godfather 2 being a better movie. I do see that.
1: When it comes to sequels being as good or better than... The original, uh, very few movies come to mind. Uh, Aliens comes to mind, and that's largely debatable because it's, a, it's an entirely different, it's different story. It's yes, different, it's, a, it's, it's a different style of movie. It's a different it, yes, yeah. it's, it's action horror as opposed to suspense. Um, but still, it's a sequel, so I'll let it go. And then Star Wars, and yeah, Godfather too. But then, you, but then you start running at of steam because you say, "Oh, well, Winter Soldier's better than the first
0: Captain America." But those are those are different tales entirely. Those are those aren't You're using it's, the same character.
1: Well, I would I, I I don't I don't I don't I could say that my my problem is you can't, I don't I can't look at the Marvel movies as Individual pieces or separate series. I don't look at Iron Man and then Captain America and then Thor. They're all just but they
0: don't continue the story. Right. That's what I mean. Like it's okay. Sure. Iron Man one and two are not really related. Like sure. it's the same thing with comic books. Like you read a comic, you throw it out. The next month's a new issue. That's what I mean.
1: Like it's the same way that Alien, Aliens is a different tale with the same one main character. That right. All I'm really saying though is I, I consider the Marvel movies to all be part of one series, not necessarily a bunch of individual series. Because as yes. time and time went on, they all be, that, that's but what they're they not became. but to me they're not true sequels if sure. that makes sense. The Avengers movies are not true sequels to Fair each not. other. So anyway,
0: so um again, if I was in the theater, I, I I had never read reports of it um of what people did in the theater after Luke gets his fucking ass handed to him by Vader. Vader fools around with Luke uh, at best Ben for like yeah, he fools around uh you know, Luke gets a couple of little shots in on him. Then Vader once Vader says, "Okay, kid." let's go to school he brutalizes Luke and cuts his hand off like and just ends it as quickly as he can uh then and then Luke is just like alright I'm fucked and I would I would have loved to been in the theater and see that because no one is expecting that to happen everyone's expecting Luke to, to kill Vader sure if you're watching that then you see the tables turn you see you, you would expect at that point in time the front point you, say, you saw you saw Han get put in carbonite alright Luke's gonna kill Vader and save Han right That's probably what you would think if you're watching that movie up to that point. No. Luke gets his hand cut off, gets his ass kicked. He finds out the guy who just cut his hand off is his dad. And he prefers to commit suicide, basically, and drop off to his death versus, you know... get. So it's like the worst possible, the low for this main character that that you're rooting for. And, again, it's just like it's written so well. It's directed brilliantly. The cinematography... Of the various shots, one of my favorite shots of the film is the, the sort of desperate uh, escape with Lando and Chewbacca. And oh, by the way, C3PO gets blown up into in, into pieces as well. We forgot about that. That must have been ha- harrowing mm-hmm. for kids to see as well. Uh, there, and when they're escaping, that shot of like the sun going down, the the sort of angled wide shot with at, at the, the the docking platform. They're running towards the fa- beautiful shot. It's like one of the most gorgeous shots of any of those three original movies. And they're escaping with barely with their lives. Uh, there, uh, yeah, I, I would have loved to because now when, you, you, when any movie comes out, now you get like the crowd reactions recorded. I would have loved to seen the theater just fucking gasp when, when Vader said, "I am your father." It's a cliche now, obviously. Sure, but what if it happened back then? And you didn't know.
1: What would what, 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 what would have yeah,
0: been crazy? Would have shit your you know four year old Ian's pants. <laughs> you would have been like, what the what the hell? The kids were probably shocked walking out of there. The same way we heard, like, oh, people were shocked running out of Infinity War. I'm like, really? You were shocked? Okay. You were shocked by that? Okay. That, to me, was a shocking turn of events. Again, looking back, you didn't know. You didn't know. What about Frank Oz? Come on. Yoda? Good stuff. That's a living, breathing little puppet way better than any CG bullshit. That's why they came back to the puppet An episode, uh the new episode, uh, 8 and 9, when Yotish, they go back to the puppet because the CG is lifeless and garbage mm-hmm. compared to a good puppet puppet guy. The, 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 it was a living, breathing creature. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. I can rewatch everything. We have to move on. We're not even talking about the Hoth battle was fantastic with the walkers and everything. But one last thing. The reason you know this film is the best out of the trilogy. It required the least bullshit tinkering of Lucas for the special editions. And he still tinkered, but there was only like five tinkerings being done. Cleaned up the at Walker, stop motion. That was fine. You cleaned it up. We get it. You didn't change it. Uh, but th- but then like having Vader say, get me to get my shuttle for my... Uh, 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 you don't need that bullshit when he, leaves, when he leaves Cloud City. You know he's leaving. And then the one worst thing he did though that they then recorrected when Luke uh, drops off uh, versus joining Vader... They gave him a fucking scream in the special edition. He goes, ah! It's so bad. And and it totally counteracts Luke's being calm and realize, all right, I'd rather sacrifice myself than yeah. Vader. But then they took it back out again. Oh, good. So, like, okay, we, 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 Lucas realized he went too far there. All right, that's it. Go rewatch Empire Strikes Back. Return of the Jedi. I got to rewatch. I dvr it because I know I don't like Return of the Jedi in general. but It's still a decent movie, but I got to give it its fair shake. All right, we have a Patreon, Ian. We do. How do you access the Patreon to see a
1: podcast? Patreon.com slash podcast. And what do you get there, Ian? Oh, writings, full video podcast, a hangout once a month. All right. <laughs> we have a Patreon poll. In third place, will the va- value of complete box NES games
0: be different now? Have they, have they used plastic cases? 20%. In second place, what were your favorite books, books or book series growing up or recently? 36%. In the
1: first place, Ian, will we see a boom slash revival of physical stores when things return to normal? Um, I don't think we'll see a boom revival of physical stores quite the way people might think or are hoping um, for a couple of reasons. Um, and this is not to say that people aren't going to be happy to go back to their physical stores, their mom and pop shops and things like that. But I don't think you're going to see people rushing out for uh, it, it, for, like I said, for a few reasons. One, um, just because stores are open again doesn't mean that everyone's comfortable with going out. So we're seeing a lot of people who just aren't going out to stores because they're still not comfortable with going out. So that's you know lost business right there. Um, two, people just don't know necessarily that things are open again. We've been doing this for so long that people aren't really aware of what's open. So that kind of goes with the first one and the second one. It's That will a- depend upon your state, though, right? Some states are... Sure, but I, I like I said, it, what state you're in doesn't it doesn't uh, affect you know the fact that people are just uneasy about going yes, out. Yes, that doesn't change. Um, and then the other one is uh, Well,
0: unless you're in some states and going on fucking going to a lake and having a thousand people crowded the other. lakes
1: of the Ozarks. Um, but the big one is, uh, as a society, we have been moving more and more to online shopping as time has gone on. Um, that's not going to magically revert after two months of staying inside. In fact, I think a lot of people have just realized that um, shopping online is is easy. Uh, and as you know, uh, you know, places start doing you know multiple drop-offs. You know, there's all sorts of ways to get something delivered: two-day delivery, you know, one-day delivery, uh, contactless delivery. You know, with shit like that, I I don't think you know a lot of people are going to to stick with that. Um, so, yeah, we are seeing business come back. I mean, Luna's been open for walk-ins since Thursday. Um, and we are seeing a lot of business come back. But, no, I don't think these places are going to get crushed uh, by, you know, uh, throngs of shoppers when they return. People have people have adjusted. I think uh, it'll depend on what you're selling, obviously. Sure. In general, though,
0: when I go to the UPS store, I don't go out at all, I mean, I didn't do it that much before so at the gym. I, go to, I go to the UPS store once a week and I go to buy food once a week or I go to the UPS store to drop off certain Blu-rays or, or things like that um, now it's a wall of returns, it, it was never like that before, it's a wall of boxes, because people, because you go to the UPS store Amazon has a sweet deal I mean, or, or UPS does you don't have to rebox crap you buy on Amazon, you go here, here's my dirty shirt I wore once and they rebox it. They have a service that that reboxes it at the UPS store. Your crap, and sends it back. Really? That's it's, crazy. Yes. It's literally, hey, scan my code, my return code. So it's incur That's the, the the easy returns encourages more online shopping because before it was a pain. If you bought a shirt, I never buy clothes online because you want to try it on. Now, if I bought through Amazon, I could try on a pair of jeans, and be like, oh, this don't fit, and just bring them back. So. It, it's like that extra level of comfort with buying online, which was not there before. And you you would say, why Why couldn't you buy things online before? Yeah, you could, but again, for stuff like clothes, shoes, there are certain things you're not comfortable buying online. And I think you'll never get rid of retail stores for certain things like that. They will always exist. Yes. Housewares you're not gonna go You're not gonna buy fucking dishes online. I don't think ever, like because it might be hard to get it there in one piece. But there's certain <laughs> things you're not gonna buy uh, online ever. I, you're always going to have food stores. People, will, there's always be some people who would not be comfortable buying uh, food to get delivered online. Yes, that, that's one thing. And plus, the windows—you could never, since everyone needs food—you could never have, I think, a service to to deliver to every single food shopper online. That to me would be insane. You wouldn't be that. able to. It would just be too nuts to do that. Um, I think it'll happen slowly. Where people get used to this again. Uh, I think. I think there'll be some parts, and it'll depend upon your region. Where some people will feel um, a connection or um, some some sort of loyalty to their stores to go and back to those individual stores that they like. Because hey, we know you went through a tough time, your local business. I'm going to go go be a patron of your business again. For restaurants and things like that, I don't know um, to that extent because restaurants would probably be one of the most dangerous places in, in terms of spreading these. Restaurants is going to be
1: difficult. It's going to be a little
0: tougher. I'm not going back to the Triumph's Buffet anytime soon. I love the Triumph's Buffet. That'll be the last place to reopen will be a buffet. You know what I mean? Like, until we get a combination of uh, vaccines for everyone, and and I know we're in human trials already in a couple different places, but that doesn't mean the vaccine's coming anytime soon. The the, the earliest would be probably ended this year if they fast track. I think. I think it would probably be next year sometime. We need a combination of, obviously, a vaccine... And we line up everyone. We we, we put it in you, and if not, I don't know. We stamp you and say you can't go out. I don't know. Vaccine for everyone, or at least a treatment that it could be like the flu, where oh, you take Tamiflu, right? You'll be fine. And yeah. I think that I think that'll a happen. Treatment before.
1: is would be yeah, at least important. a treatment where
0: hey, I, I if you get it, you're you're not going to die, or else the percentages fall to the flu, where it's like one out of ten thousand will die instead of one out of you know like a hundred will die. Like we get to that point, I think. People will be more inclined to go out and experience things again. I think that's that weird combination of either a vaccine. Definitely, a vaccine will be great, obviously. And and, the, and unfortunately, the early the early studies at least at least with um, monkeys is that you do not get reinfected once you have the antibodies. That's the early early good news about this. But it still has to. We have to know that for sure with humans. But that's at least the one silver lining was is that you get it once, like chicken pox, and you are done, right? not like the flu where you can get it year after year because if that happened with this holy shit we go through this every year yeah different vaccines so you hope it's like that it doesn't mutate enough that like different flu strains where yeah you, you get a flu shot you can still get it or maybe more milder symptoms either way you know we're, we're working faster on a vaccine than in the history of mankind of anything before obviously so it'll be that I, I think I think hopefully in six months from now knocking the wood will be in a lot better spot but who knows sure so Oh, uh, no, no, sorry It's alright You want to do that last topic or you, you set the? game? I gotta go You gotta got take that lift? Gotta run Okay, we'll leave off this last Q&A until next week We got through this early podcast um, We'll be back to Tuesday next week Here Stomachs are rumbling oh, Wow, wow I still got an hour and a half till I can eat here um, Yeah, I hope you're all safe and well out there I got an NES Punk video in the works. I also have a Flea Market Manus. I, I, I have not been editing the past couple weeks there. And the N64 writing team is just about together. I got my own Avengers team. Assembled. They're assembled. About It's actually a, it's a dirty dozen. There's a dozen of us right now.
1: <sighs>
0: we increased the team load, so less less reviews from each. So uh, so Christina does have to do like 100 reviews again. That's good. Jesus, right? I don't, I don't have to do 80. I think I think I think twenty is a good number for me. Twenty, I'm gonna start with Wave Race. I like Wave Race; that'll be an easy one to review. It's not too deep. It's cranking. Um, and then I work more, work my way around from there. So anyway, that's Ian Ferguson. Already packing up. I'm Pack We'll see you in a week. Oh, and watch the watch the uh, watch the uh, YouTube premiere of the intros we do now. If you're listening to this, uh, the audio people, if you're listening to this. We do the YouTube premieres. You can come in the chat can have fun and see us ramble for a half hour live. Not semi-live. Almost live. All right, bye.